1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I'll ask you to stand to your feet as we read from the 13th verse of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I want to begin a series of messages today entitled, What's Going to Happen? the rapture. Father, would you help us now to preach as a dying man to a dying people that we might have hope, that we might be encouraged, that we might see folks saved, lives dedicated, committed, and commissioned to the gospel of Christ. For this we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. For any man or for any nation, there are really just three time periods that exist. There's the past, the present, and the future. Now, we know about the past in part, but on the whole, we don't exactly know the future. Who could have predicted years ago the pandemic? Who could have predicted the looming war going on in the Ukraine that's liable to ignite and spread at any moment? Who could have predicted the socioeconomic change that we have seen in our nation in the last five to ten years? It's unbelievable. Nevertheless, both the past and the future exercise enormous influence over where we live presently. And the word of God tells us about the future. And for many people, when they think about the future, it brings factors of fear. In the last days, perilous times shall come, and it causes people to tremble. The word of God unfolds the future for us. And the Holy Spirit, being our teacher, tells us about things which are to come. In Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, the Bible says, I am God, there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. To God, prophecy is pre-written history. Say amen there. You see, because God, who is all wise, knowing the past, also knows the future as much as he knows the past. There are Bible prophecies that have been fulfilled. There are Bible prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. But I know this, every 
single one will be fulfilled. My prayer today as we begin our time together is that you will be ready for the future and not be afraid of it. Preacher Darren, what's going to happen? You better get ready because the Lord shall return in any moment. There was a couple that had their first baby. The father had the dreaded task of changing his first dirty diaper. Well, needless to say, he dreaded changing that diaper like he dreaded the plague. He gritted his teeth. He took off the diaper of the little baby only to discover it was just a little bit dirty. He breathed a huge sigh of relief. And he was chuckling to himself, well, that wasn't so bad. And his wife walked in the room, sizing up what he was doing, probably what he was thinking. She said, if I were you, I wouldn't be too happy because this is a sneak preview of the coming attractions. <laughs> Can I get a witness? This is a familiar text, and this is a sneak preview of the coming attractions. The next thing on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. And in this text, we are given one of the most thrilling descriptions concerning the Lord bringing home his bride in all the Bible. And Paul begins with, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. So number one, there is a stirring reminder. He uh, is writing to a church that's concerned. Uh, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you saved? And they know the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. But in the meantime, while they're waiting, their loved ones are beginning to die. Does this mean they've missed the kingdom? Does this mean they've missed the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Paul says, but I would not have you to be ignorant. That means I'm not insulting your intelligence. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be unknowing. I want you to have understanding of Christ's return and when he does, all the things that are going to happen. He writes to brethren, those that are born of the same loot, born of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the redeemed, the saved, the church. He said, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep. Now they're not like a bunch of you right now ready to take a nap. He's talking when you see about a believer, speaking of being asleep, it is speaking of them that have already died and that now they're considered to be asleep and they're home with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'll give you a few illustrations here. Uh, asleep is not soul sleep. Some people believe you die and it's over and that's it. But that's not true. Luke chapter 16, we see a rich man and we see Lazarus the beggar. Both of them died. The rich man, having ignored and rejected Christ, died and went to hell. The beggar who called on the Lord Jesus Christ was brought into paradise. And there's a vast difference. There's no soul sleep because the rich man was tormented in the flames while Lazarus the beggar was comforted. So there's no soul sleep. I think about Stephen, that great man of God who preached the word and they stoned him to death. 
And the Bible says after these things that he fell asleep. In other words, they stoned him to death. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ standing and he went to be with him. What about Jairus' daughter? Jesus said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. He said in John 11, 11, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. He was speaking about Lazarus being dead. Now look with me. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So uh, they believe their loved ones may miss out on the coming of the Lord. And uh, Paul says, if you sorrow because you're weeping and broken because they're gone, don't do it as others which have no hope. Your hope is not buried. Your hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, again, for if we believe, that's a conditional statement, if we believe that Jesus died, and I do, and rose again, and I do, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. In this conditional statement, if the first part is true, the last part is true. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus uh, will God bring with him. Now what about that's beautiful? Just as Christ rose from the dead, the dead in Christ are going to rise from the dead when he comes and he calls for his church. Now, verse 15, here we go. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. A little, a little study here. This is not Paul's idea. This is not Paul's opinion. This is the word of the Lord. In the New Testament, there are 260 chapters. There are 318 references that I have found that speak of Christ's return. Out of 260 chapters, 318 references. There are 7,957 verses in the New Testament. And one out of every 25 verses mention the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. More space is given in the New Testament about Christ's return than any other theme. That includes the first coming of Jesus. That includes the death of Jesus on the cross and the third day resurrection of the Lord. In fact, for every prophecy about Jesus being born of a virgin, there are eight prophecies about his return to the earth. The Old Testament patriarchs, they portrayed his coming. The Old Testament prophets prophesied and predicted his coming. The New Testament apostles, they proclaimed his coming. But Jesus himself, the word of the Lord, Jesus himself pronounced his coming. Preacher, when did he do that? Well, look at John 14. You could quote it to me, but if you don't have it underlined in your Bible, you need to see it. John 14, verse number one. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Look at verse three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again. Jesus said he was coming again. He pronounced he's coming again. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Amen. This is a stirring reminder. Those that have died in the Lord Jesus Christ, placing their faith in him, one day when the Lord comes, he's going to raise them up just as much as he's raised up. Thank God for it. Now back to our text. The Bible says in verse 15, for this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. What does that word mean? Shall not prevent them. It means uh, you will not take precedence. You will not gain advantage over them that are dead. In other words, God's going to treat the dead in Christ and those that are still alive, he's going to treat us all the same. You're not going to get an advantage over them because you're alive and they're dead. They're not going to get an advantage over you because they're dead and you're alive. This is a stirring reminder. Number two, we see the Savior's return in verse 16. Watch this. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. When I was a much younger preacher one time, I was preaching about the return of Christ and I had somebody there that day that was a trumpeteer and they blew the trumpet. I said at 10 till 12, I don't care where I am, how long I preach, I don't care what's going on, you blow that trumpet if you're alive and breathing, son. And man, at 10 till 12, he blew that trumpet. I ducked down behind the pulpit and it scared everybody halfway to death. They thought that was really it. Now I'm telling you, youngins, he's coming. That trumpet is going to sound and Jesus is coming. There are people I get criticized all the time. I don't believe in the rapture, preacher Darren. The word's not in the Bible. Yeah, well, guess what? Grandpa's not in the Bible either, but I believe in Grandpa. Grandma's not in the Bible, but I believe in Grandma. Trinity is not in the Bible, but I know there's a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hey, man, just common sense tells you that. So let's talk about this great sight. The Lord himself descending from heaven with a shout. He will appear in the clouds, in his glory. He's coming personally. He's coming for those that have placed their faith in the Lord. He died himself on the cross. He arose himself on the first day of the week. And honey, he's coming back himself. The Bible says this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The one who bore my sin, the one who bore my shame, the one who bled and died upon the cross of Calvary, the one who was buried, the one who rose again, this same Jesus will come in the clouds and call from the church and he's coming personally. 
He's not sending a representative. He's not sending an angel in his place. Honey, Jesus is coming himself. Amen. Thank God for it. A great sight seeing the Lord. There are some glorious sounds that are taking place. The Bible says he would ascend from heaven with a shout. You may say, Pastor dear, and I don't believe in shouting. Well, the Lord does. He used a loud voice quite often. You got to be careful when the Lord shouts. Things happen. One time he was in the graveyard and he said, take you away the stone. Martha said, Lord, by now he stinketh for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe thou shouldst see the glory of God. Father, for their sakes I said it. They took that stone away. He said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he which was dead came forth bound hand and foot in grave clothes. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. They thought he's a mummy. But when they took the grave clothes off of him, Lazarus was alive again. Hey, thank God. Jesus cried out his name personally, Lazarus, because if Jesus would have cried with a loud voice, come forth, everybody would have got up. So he said, Lazarus, come forth. Hey, you got your Bible? Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Verse number 50. Here's another time when Jesus cries with a loud voice when he gives a shout. He's on the cross. He's got seven statements on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Woman, behold thy son, behold thy mother. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I thirst. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Amen. He said, it is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Look at verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. You see, listen. I understand it being rent from the bottom to the top. After an earthquake, it might tear from the bottom. But when the Lord spoke with a loud voice, when he shouted, it ripped from the top to the bottom. Woo! What he's saying is, come on in. Come on in. The veil was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose Woo-wee! and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. You see, you better be careful. When Jesus shouts, things happen. The dead get up. Lazarus got up. The saints of God got up. Hey, look, it starts with just one person and now it goes to many. Hey, what do you think is going to happen when he shouts again? For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. Woo! And up 
from the grave. Those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they're going to get up out of those graves. Go to God for that truth. Amen. I've got to move on. There's a glorious sound. It's a mighty shout. There's a majestic summons back to our text. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice. There's another voice of the archangel. A majestic summons. When we hear the voice of the archangel, every time the archangel is crying out, it is a connection between uh, the living and the dead. There's a resurrection. You can read about it in Daniel chapter 12. Hear me, what it's saying is, we pilgrims on earth are going to be called home. There'll be a resurrection. There's a moving song. Look look here, go back. With the, the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. The trump of God. It's going to sound. When that trump sounds, it's very significant. Into the Jews, they would blow the trumpet to draw an assembly together. They would blow the trumpet for a time of departure. They would, the Romans, when they blew a first trumpet, it says to the army, strike your tents, pack your baggage, we're moving. At the second trump, it means everyone fall in line, line up. But at the last trump, it says we are marching to victory. When the last trump sounds, honey, we're going home to heaven. Hey, glory, hallelujah. Victory! Mm, a great sight, glorious sounds, and a grand scene. Look with me. When this trump sounds, when the voice of the archangel is heard, when the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. One of my preacher friends told me that that represented his church. He said, we're the church of the first resurrection. I said, what? what? We're going to be raised first. I said, you'll be raised with everybody else. He said, no, you ain't been to my church. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. <laughs> hey man, I don't want to go to a dead church. I want to go to a live church. I want to go to one that believes Jesus is alive. They praise him and they shout and they weep and they worship and they seek God's face. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. He's not talking about the church that's alive. He's talking about those who place their faith in him that are buried. The dead in Christ shall rise first. That's important to us because how many of us have loved ones that are home in glory right now? Their bodies here on earth but their soul's home with the Lord. Their spirit's home with the Lord. That's important to me. Buried my brother a few years ago and even as a pastor, the hardest thing I had to do was lay that little body to rest. That that body that, that body that tried to hit me with a baseball bat. That body that tried to bite me on the back when I wasn't looking. That body that I loved, I grew up with. That's my brother. We were so close. But he passed on. He outstripped me and left here and he's in heaven now. Man, I want to text him so bad. I want to call him and 
hear his opinion on something. I want to hear his voice one more. Can I get a witness? I just want to talk to him. Who is the person that you want to talk to? Just one more time. I got news for you. If you're saved, you will talk to him. Not just one more time. You're going to get to spend eternity with him. Thank God I get tore up. I'm sorry. I can't wait for that day. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Number three, I'll be done. The saints' removal. Let's talk about the removal of the saints. The dead in Christ shall rise first. They're going to hear his voice. They're going to hear that shout. They're going to hear that summons. They're going to hear that trumpet that says come up hither. And they're going to come forth from the grave. Bodies that were buried. Bodies that were sown in corruption will be raised in incorruption. Bodies that were sown in mortality will be raised in immortality. The body will be reunited with the soul and the spirit in a glorified body. Those bodies that were sown in weakness will be raised in power. It will happen, Paul says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. They say that as one-fiftieth of a second. I want to read. Hold your place here. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. That body being reunited with the soul is now a glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The strength of death is sin and the strength of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be saints removed from the grave. Thank God for it. Preacher Darren, then what about us that are still alive? Well, let's go back and read because this could happen today. And if you're not ready and you're left behind, I'm just here to tell you this is what happened. This is where everybody went. Folks that you love, your, your friends and family that begged you to be saved and now you can't find them and they're gone here's what happened to them verse 17 then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord the dead in Christ rise up first they're six feet in the ground they're going to come up probably to about right there And about the same time, we which are on the top side are going to be caught up with them. The word caught up is the word harpazo. It means to rapture, to catch up, to snatch, to take away. Glory to God, he's going to take us away. Now, how in the world is the Antichrist going to explain what happened to countless millions of people? He'll have some excuse. He'll have some theory. Now, I've always wanted to be a fly on the wall for about 20 seconds just to hear what lies they're telling and to laugh at them. 
I'd like to hear CNN, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS. This is so-and-so reporting live from the graveyard. We can't explain why these graves have burst open. Some mass grave robber named Jesus, by the way, stole them all away. And then they're going to see, say it happened today, they're going to see my clothing laying right, I don't need it, it's going to be laying right here. What, what happened to Pritchard Aaron? Well, we, we don't know. I mean, I've never seen anything like it, right? Tell you what happened. Jesus made him a promise years ago <laughs> that if he'd call upon him, He'd save him and one day receive him unto himself that he'd be where he is. Do you really believe Darren went to be with Jesus? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going. Thank God I'm on my way. Thank God. Have you ever considered what chaos and confusion is going to be left for those that are left behind? If you think it's bad now, y'all have no idea what kind of catastrophes are going to be taking place for those that are left behind. The Bible says we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to be reunited with our loved ones forever. My wife and I, we lost a baby that was still in the womb. I'm going to see it. Him, her, I'm going to see them. They're going to say, hello, daddy. They say, Pastor, and I don't believe that then don't bust my bubble. Live in your own dumpster. I'm just telling you I'm going to see my baby. And it won't be a little baby for all of eternity. It's going to be a grown young, the same age as Jesus, about 33 years of age. And you know what? I'll be the same age too. And so will Brother Bob and Brother Mike. We're all going to be like Jesus, amen. We're going to, listen, if you're a youngin' right now and you've lost your parents, thank God I still got mine. But how many of you, you lost your parents? Mom and dad's gone. If they win in Jesus, through the blood of Christ, you're going to see your mamas and daddies again. What's that going to be like? Husbands who lost their wives. Wives who lost their husbands. They're going to be reunited forever and ever and ever. It'll be the largest family reunion of all ages. We'd had a family reunion years ago and I went to it and I seen so many people I hadn't seen in years. And when it was over, we were driving home and I told Gina, I said, so-and-so wasn't there. She said, yes, they were. I said, I didn't see them. She said, just because you didn't see them don't mean they weren't there. I saw them. You was out doing this and over there doing that, but I seen them and I talked to them. And I thought, you know, I just didn't have enough time to see everybody. She said, well, is there six hours? Well, honey, one of these days, we're gonna have enough time to see everybody. I'm gonna see grandma, grandpa, granny and granddad. I'm gonna see the preacher. I'm gonna see Matthew and Thomas and Apostle Paul, and Simon Peter, I'm going to see them all. It'll be the longest family reunion ever. It'll be the loudest one too. My family's pretty loud, pretty, pretty, pretty loud. 
He'll make a lot of noise, amen. I'm going to tell you something. He'll be the, the, the longest, the largest, the loveliest. But most importantly, you know who we're going to see? The one who died for us and who was buried and rose again. The one they mocked, the one they shamed, the one they spat upon, the one who's defended me, the one who forgave my sins, the one who healed my soul, my Jesus. I'm going to see him forever and ever and ever. Thank God for that truth today. No more sin. Imagine going to a place where there's no more sin. No more sorrow, no more shame. The Bible says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Some years ago, we were roofing over somebody's house. And when we all got done, I was trying to pick up the nails. I, I was down because I didn't want her to step on those nails. And, and I didn't want her car to run over those nails. And man, I picked up and picked up. Some of the men came by and said, preacher, there, get up. I said, I'm just trying to pick up these nails, fellas. It'd be good if y'all would help me. Get up, preacher. I said, please get up. Humble yourself and help me. They said, get up. You're in our way. I looked at them. They come by with a magnet. And where I'd just been, you wouldn't believe how many I missed. It's amazing how that magnet attracts those little pieces of steel. And they didn't miss one. One of these days, the magnet's going to come out. The one I'm attracted to. All of us are going right out of here and there won't be one redeemed person ever left behind. Amen. In 1938, Orson Welles, he had a radio show came on. Everybody listened to the radio back then in 1938. He went to six million homes. He had a little show called The War of the Worlds. It was a dramatization about the Martian invasion. Here's what happened. When this Halloween joke was played, it caused nationwide panic. Terrified families fled from their homes. Others prepared for a full-scale Martian war. Now, he made this broadcast as realistic as possible and they would act like they were having news bulletins from here, from there, and, and, and sometimes a special broadcast from Washington's itself saying it was a national emergency. Now, listen, now this was right before World War II and here's what happened. Somebody said, I'm quoting, Good heavens, something's wriggling out of the shadows like a gray snake. Not just one, but another and another. They look like tentacles to me. There I can see the thing's body. It's large and it glistens like wet leather. It's indescribable. I can hardly look at it myself. The eyes are black and green like a serpent. The mouth is V-shaped, saliva dripping from its rimless lips that seem to quiver and pulsate. By the time the broadcast was completed, Millions of Americans were convinced that a Martian invasion was taking place. Police switchboards were flooded from terrified listeners. One New Jersey resident took out a shotgun and blasted the water tower. <laughs> Twenty families were evacuated uh, from an apartment building with wet towels over their face so they wouldn't get uh, uh, killed by the deadly Martian rays. Pennsylvania's governor offered troop support to New Jersey where the invasion allegedly had taken place. A woman paced her husband who was at a Broadway play to warn him of the attack and when he jumped up said, the Martians have invaded, the entire theater emptied out as everybody was running out. And despite all the hysteria, 
Nobody actually died, but his radio broadcast was a joke that there was an invasion from outer space, UFOs, unidentified flying objects. But one day, honey, it'll not be a joke. It won't be a UFO. It'll be a TRL, the returning Lord. He's come to get us and take us home. I think about how my grandmother and grandfather, when we would go see them over in Madison County, when we would get ready to leave, how they'd stand there, they'd walk us to the door, they'd hug us. Then they'd walk us out the door and they'd hug us again. They'd open the car doors for us and we'd put the luggage back in the car and Grandpa would hit, I'm gonna get on this side. He'd put his arm around Grandma in this way, bye to us as we back down their driveway. And I remember seeing them and we just wave and roll the window down, bye, bye. And we were smiling and they were crying because they thought it'd be another week before they saw us again, maybe two. How many times have we wept and said their loved ones, bye. One day, there'll be no more sad goodbyes. No more farewells. Will you hear me for a second, church? If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never been saved, if you've not bowed your knee or your head or your heart and said, Lord, will you forgive me? I'm a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you have never asked him, friend, when the rapture takes place, you're going to be left behind. You'll be left sitting in this church service. You're going to be left at home alone. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. You may say, well, preacher, then I'll get right. I'll get saved then. You got your Bible? No, you won't. And I'm going to show you why you won't. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Oh, Pritchard here, and I saw on TV, honey, this is the word of God compared to your TV's a big difference. Don't you take what some TV show proclaims to you. You read the word of God. You've sat here in this church for years. You've listened to Pritchard Darren online in Pennsylvania, Florida, New Jersey, Puerto Rico. I've looked and saw statistics. You listen, listen, when you're listening, you've got to be saved if you're going to go. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 10, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you see that text? Here's what's going to happen. Your loved ones are going to be gone and you're going to be left at home alone. And you're going to be miserable. But then you're going to be bitter, mad, angry. And you're not going to say, I missed it, I should have been saved. No, no. 
you're going to say, well, I'm going to look for another. You're going to be angry and you will not be saved. That's the word of God. So, Pastor Darren, I don't believe that. Then you just said you don't believe the word of God. Well, Preacher Darren, you're taking that out of context. I wish I had about another 30 minutes to preach this to you. But I'm telling you, based on the authority of the word of God and by the power of the spirit of God, if you're not saved before he comes, it's too late for you. You have rejected him, and now he has rejected you, all based on your own decision. And here we cry about not seeing grandma and grandpa and then waving goodbye, but the truth of the matter is, truth of the matter is, I'm going to be saying goodbye to some of my friends. I love you here at this church. I've seen you every Sunday. I've seen you from year to year. I've seen you in the community, and I'm saying goodbye to you. I'll never see you again, and I've begged you, and I've prayed for you, and I've sought God's face, but I'm telling you, until you receive Jesus Christ, there's not another thing I can do for you. You stand at your feet today. Seth, you come. Man, I'm so burdened about it, I can't hardly even breathe. I'm telling you, I'm begging you. Oh, if you're not saved, you're saved. And if you are saved, y'all thank God. Y'all thank God. Oh, God, thank you for saving a wretch like me. If I'm, I'm going to tell you, if I was here today and I thought for a second I wasn't saved, I would zoom down to this altar as fast as my legs could carry me and I'd wave for the preacher. I'd wave for somebody and say, come pray with me. I need to be saved. I want to go to heaven. So are you under the sound of my voice today? Is there anybody? He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to be saved today. He's asking you because if it were not so, he would have told you he's coming and it could be today. Oh, if you're watching and you're not saved right where you are, I want you to say, Lord, bow your head. Just say, Lord, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried. And I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, if you can defeat the grave, you can defeat my sin. Will you forgive me? Will you wash me in your blood? You are raised up on the first day of the week. Will you let me go to heaven with you one day? I know I'm unworthy. I know I'm undeserving. But God, in your mercy and in your grace, would you save me? If you'd ask him, He'd save you today. Father, thank you for our time together. May your blessing be upon your people. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to study just one fact of what's going to happen. Lord, prepare our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, we give you glory. 
Thank you for saving us. Back yonder when you did. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord, for a place called glory. And I'm on my way there, Lord. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.